like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. We've got some more great music deeply embedded in spirit for today's Song of the Soul. Left to my own devices, I'm pretty much a folky or a rock type of guy, but I'm delighted today to welcome a Christian hip-hop rap artist who performs under the name Agape. His civilian, alter ego name, is David Scherer, and he travels all over the USA, and he's been to six other nations, sharing the love of God and a call to actually make a difference in the world with that love. Launching from the ELCA Lutheran Church, He's a passionate breath of spirit, and he joins us today by phone from the Twin Cities of Minnesota. Dave, it's great to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Thanks for having me. You lead a busy life, man. I'm just amazed what with having one child and another on the way, because I looked at your calendar on hiphopoutreach.com, and you're bopping all over the place, California and then North Dakota and down to Texas and over to the Boston area. Is this all through the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America? I actually work with different denominations, but yeah, a, a good chunk of my work is ELCA, but I also work with United Methodist Church quite a bit, Salvation Army, and then a smattering of other denominations, and whoever will have me come perform and share God's love with them. So you travel quite a bit, but you're based in the Twin Cities area. Are you native to Minnesota? I was born in Spokane, Washington, and then my parents got a divorce when I was four years old, and we moved to Minnesota, and been here for the most part ever since. Frozen in place? <laughs> exactly. The kind of music you do is hip-hop. I mean, you're, you're the name of your website, Hip Hop Outreach, is hip-hop. What were your original musical influences that got you into music or into this type of music? Well, growing up, you know, I grew up in the inner city in Minneapolis, and so hip-hop was just kind of what we did, you know. It was kind of the language of our, you know, friends growing up. And so some of the early artists that I listened to, KRS-One was a huge influence. Um, it stands for Knowledge Reigns Supreme Over Nearly Everyone. And, I mean, I learned black history through him. I learned about vegetarianism through him. His whole thing, he called it edutainment. It was like you can use hip-hop as a teaching tool. And so that's when I first, you know, it piqued my interest because I was like, wow, you know, this guy, he's rapping and it sounds great. So that was, that was a huge thing for me. And then as I got a little bit older, there was an artist named Tupac Shakur, and Tupac was so passionate, and he was born to a mother who was active in the Black Panthers, but she was also addicted, so she had kind of that side of, 
you know, the demons of addiction. And you always hear this two-sidedness to his music. He went to Baltimore School of the Arts when he was 13 years old, but he was also raised by pimps and drug dealers on the streets of Oakland. I just really appreciated the way that he, you know, he had this bright light. He also had a dark shadow, and he wasn't scared of the dark shadow, but he, but he also had this really bright light, and everybody around him saw it. And there's a book called Holler If You Hear Me by Michael Eric Dyson. I never fully understood why I connected with Tupac's music until I read this book, and I said, oh, that's why I liked him so much. So one of the things he talks about is growing up without a dad, and, and that was my experience. And he just articulated it so well. He said, you know, he said, I had to play catch by myself. What a sorry sight, a pitiful plight, so I pray for a starry night. And I was like, wow, that was my experience. And so one of the songs that I loved by him was called Dear Mama, and it was just an ode to his mother, just thanking her for raising him and being a single mom. And he, igno- he even acknowledges her shortcomings, but he also celebrates her. And so it's a song that I really connect with. So actually, if you don't mind, I'd like the listeners to take a listen to a song that had a huge influence on me called Dear Mama. Is that cool? It's way cool. This is Dear Mama by Tupac Shakur. You all appreciate it. When I was young, me and my mama had beef, 17 years old, kicked out on the streets. Though back at the time, I never thought I'd see a face. Ain't a woman alive that could take my mama's place. Suspended from school, I'm scared to go home. I was a fool with the big boys breaking all the rules. Shed tears with my baby sister. Over the years, we was poor than other little kids. And even though we had different daddies, the same drama when things went wrong, we blamed mama. I reminisce on the stress I caused. It was hell, hugging on my mama from a jail cell. And who thinking elementary? Hey, I see the penitentiary. One day, running from the police, that's right. Mama catch me, put a whoop into my backside. And even as a crack fiend, mama, you always was a black queen, mama. I finally understand for a woman it ain't easy trying to raise a man. You always was committed, a poor single mother on welfare. Tell me how you did it, there's no way I can pay you back. But the plan is to show you that I understand. You all appreciate it. Dear mama. Tell us it was fair No love for my daddy Cause the coward wasn't there He passed away And I didn't cry Cause my anger Wouldn't let me feel For a stranger They say I'm wrong And I'm heartless But all along I was looking for a father He was gone I hung around with the thugs And even though they sold drugs They showed a young brother love I moved out Started really hanging I needed money of my own So I started slanging I ain't guilty cause even though I sell rocks It feels good putting money in your mailbox I love paying rent when the rent's due I hope you got the diamond necklace that I sent to you Cause when I was low you was there for me You never left me alone because you cared for me And I can see you coming home after work late You're in the kitchen trying to fix us a hot plate just working with the scraps she was given And mama made miracles every Thanksgiving But now the road got rough, you're alone You're trying to raise two bad kids on your own And there's no way I can pay you back 
But my plan is to show you that I understand You all appreciate it And dear mama You all appreciate it Some liquor and I reminisce Cause through the drama I can always depend on my mama And when it seems that I'm hopeless You say the words that can get me back in focus When I was sick as a little kid To keep me happy there's no limit to the things you did And all my childhood memories Are full of all the sweet things you did for me And even though I act crazy I gotta thank the Lord that you made me There are no words that can express how I feel You never kept a secret, always stayed real And I appreciate how you raised me And all the extra love that you gave me I wish I could take the pain away If you can make it through the night, there's a brighter day Everything will be alright if you hold on It's a struggle every day, gotta roll on And there's no way I could pay you back But my plan is to show you that I understand You all appreciate it. Tupac Shakur, Dear Mama is the Song, and it was selected by David Scherer for his Song of the Soul. You may know Dave by another name. Agape is the word from Greek, and it's a form of love. Do you want to talk about that a bit, by the way? Why agape? Do I want to talk about it? Come on, that's all I want to talk about. (laughs) Um, Agape is just, it's everything to me. It's God's love. Martin Luther King said, it's an overflowing love which seeks nothing in return. He says, agape is the love of God operating in the human heart. And when I first read Letters from a Birmingham Cell by Martin Luther King, I was just like blown away by this enemy love that he talked about and this love that God has for us in spite of us not always <laughs> not always behaving and, and that God still has this boundless love for us and that this boundless love that God has for us is also a love that we then enact and that we carry out for others. So I came up with this little acronym. You know how I was talking about uh, KRF-1 had his acronym for his name. And so my acronym that I came up with for Agape was the A stands for African-Americans, Asian-Americans, American-Latinos, Arab-Americans. The E stands for European-Americans. And in between is the GAP that exists between us. And the only way that we can truly bridge this GAP, this gap that exists, is through Agape love, through God's love. When Paul says, you know, we are neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, but we are all one in Christ, that unity is what agape is all about. So my, my whole ministry is about speaking to that oneness and trying to live out that oneness. And so everything I do is to connect people to each other that thought they were different. We think we're different, and through my travels around the world, I've seen that we all want to be loved, we all cry, we all laugh, and that God loves us all. And so that's my message. And That's my passion. I'll continue to try to speak that message wherever I go. He's sticking to it. So African-American, Gap, and European, 
I think you're a white boy and you grew up in the inner city. Uh, was that an experience of being the minority or how did that go? Well, you know, for me growing up, you know, I remember I'm the only white kid in the math class. For me, it was such an important experience to know what it's like to be in the minority. And that, that has shaped my life in really important ways. I've always noticed the injustice. I didn't have words for it when I was younger, but I remember, you know, going to my school and, you know, I would go to school with folks and we would connect and be best friends. And then I would go back to my neighborhood, which my neighborhood was kind of a middle, upper class white neighborhood. And I was like, this is strange. Like, this feels really wrong on some levels. You know, like, why, why did I get pulled over three times in high school just for having black people in my car? That's really messed up, actually. And so this sort of, this sort of yearning for justice has always been in me. I haven't always had the language for it, but I always knew when there was injustice. And so that's always shaped my ministry in terms of how I try to speak to God's justice in the world. And a, and a big part of that was just having a point guard on our basketball team who, you know, he has to quit He has to quit the team because he has to go help his mom at Kmart, you know, go work at Kmart so he can help his mom pay the bills. You know, I'm thinking to myself, why don't you just have your dad pay for it? Or, you know, why don't you just do this? And then realizing, oh, he doesn't have that option. He doesn't have a dad sending child support payments like my dad is, you know. So that was really sparked this sense of justice, this desire for justice in my life. Were you also religiously, spiritually based from a young age, or is this something that came in over the years? You know, it's funny. My mother, people have called my mother the most spiritual woman they've ever met. My mom is a very spiritual woman. She gave me a lot of spiritual language, but it wasn't necessarily Christian language. And so when I got to college, I started meeting these people that were, they were Christian. They called themselves Christian. They were loving each other. They were, their faith mattered to them. And they were kind of, it was ordering their life in terms of the way they were living their lives. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. So I started running with them and just, you know, just learning about scripture and, you know, the kind of the rhythm of discipleship. But my dad and my mom actually would always say, we love everyone in the whole wide world except for fundamentalist Christians. And so my form of rebellion in college was to hang out with fundamentalist Christians. And so that was where I learned a lot of my knowledge of scripture. It's where I learned just a lot of wonderful things about Koinonia, the, the beloved community. But then they said to me about, you know, halfway through, they said, well, here's the deal. We just found out your mom, you know, isn't a self-professing Christian. And so you need to witness to her like she's going to go to hell. And you need to have this conversation with her about how she's not, you know, she's not living right or she hasn't assented to these right beliefs. And so, so I'm driving in my car going back home for the weekend and thinking, what am I going to say to my mom? Like, you know, she clearly has the fruit of the spirit alive in her way more than I do. So how could I possibly, you know, witness to her? It feels really strange to me. By the time I got home, I sort of realized, you know, I think my mom's actually a beloved child of God, and I think that my mom has the Holy Spirit in her more than I do in some ways, and so I think I just can't do it. So I got back to school, and, and I told him, I said, you know, I don't think my mom is going to hell. I think that God loves her, and I think that God created her, and God's own image and that the spirit is active and alive in her life and I don't want to go to heaven if I can't go with my mom and so needless to say I didn't last long in that group after that but I, I appreciated what I learned from that group 
Are you transparent when you're up on stage, Dave? Do you share these stories? You admit, you know, your parents are hippies or whatever? <laughs> you know, I do. I try to, you know, somebody told me, they said, you know, we don't have theology. We don't have politics. We just have biography. And you can't argue with biography. I mean, nobody could hear my story and say, no, that's not true. That's not true. Because it's my story. And I think if we all led with our own stories, I think we would find so much more common ground. When I talk to somebody who's in a way different place than me, I, I love to just say, oh, well, tell me about how you arrived at that belief. Tell me about your experience. And once I do that, I'm like, of course, of course you arrived there. So when people, maybe they feel like I'm coming from a different place spiritually, or maybe I have slightly different language for God than they might have, and they want to judge me, once they hear my story, it allows them to kind of enter into that story. And I think that's why Jesus shared stories, because nobody could argue with stories. And so I often will say, you know, here's a story about me trying to make sense of, you know, growing up without my father and trying to forgive him and still struggling with that to this day to continue to forgive him and others who have hurt me. And I think when you, when you share that vulnerability with others, it invites them to do the same thing. And then we kind of find some grace within the brokenness. So one of my songs that I have, I'm, I'm maybe brutally honest. <laughs> I did this song a, a while back for my wife. It's called Unbelief. And there were some things in there that got pretty personal. And she said, well, you know, I want to make sure that if you're going to share these things, just make sure that they're helpful for people. Don't just do therapy just to do therapy. <laughs> she said, you know, there may be some things that, People may not be ready to hear, and you have to know how to speak into people's listening. So I, I did this song, and I changed a few lines, and I don't think it changed the integrity of the song, but it was maybe just a way to speak a little bit more responsibly about some of my struggles. So I, I, I don't do this song a whole lot because I have to kind of find the appropriate crowd for it, but it, it really goes into the struggle that we probably, you know, we all have it, but I think especially those who travel and those who are called into ministry, there's some unique challenges. What does it mean to be, a, as my friend Craftsley calls it, a professional Christian? You know, I get, I get paid to have these beliefs. And if I decided tomorrow that I wanted to be a Buddhist, you know, I wouldn't have a job anymore as a Christian rapper. And so that can be a struggle, you know, to say, how can I continue to find an authentic expression of my beliefs amidst the pressures that I feel as, a, as someone who's, you know, a minister. And I think I, I talk with other ministers, and they, they've actually really appreciated this song because we all hit dry spells in our ministry. You read the prophets in the Old Testament. Elijah is, like, suicidal. He's saying, you know, I'm no better than my forefathers as a prophet. And we've all hit those moments, whether you're a minister or not. And so speaking to that is really important. Martin Luther said it's important that we call a thing what it is. And so instead of this sort of happy-go-lucky Christian message of, hey, you're always going to be happy and you're always going to have a big smile on your face, to be able to speak to some of the darkness and the difficulties that can happen in a walk with Jesus, I think it's important to speak to that. And so that's what this song is trying to do. It's called Unbelief. Again. That's just how 
how it goes On the road I'm missing home When I'm at home I miss the road Living out my suitcase Travel size toothpaste Only singing happy songs Has got me feeling two-faced My holding cell is a lonely hotel Go email one of my friends Cause these people I'm with don't know me well I miss my baby Maybe I should change careers But this music is one of the reasons God has put me here Maybe this is what my father went through God, I'm struggling, so I thought I would holler at you uh, I'm supposed to hit the stage in less than 30 seconds But found out the doctor needs my mom to come for further testing Speak of mercy and your blessings I'm not in the mood Matter of fact, I don't believe today to tell you the truth uh, I can't come to you I need you to come to me I believe God Help my unbelief David Chair, he's with us here today for Song of the Soul, and Unbelief is from his newest release. It's Rise Up, and you can find that and other releases and information about Dave and Agape on hiphopoutreach.com. 
I suppose Agape was already taken. You didn't have a choice. You had to go to hip-hop outreach, or was it really important to you to emphasize hip-hop? I mean, could you sing a folk song, too? <laughs> you know, I would love to. I think part of the reason I called it hiphopoutreach.com is that it's always been my hope to try to empower others. And I think part of my vision is that, you know, when I'm a however old, 70-year-old guy who may or may not be able to rap anymore, my hope is that I would be able to empower the next generation to tell their story through hip-hop. And so I work with younger artists and try to mentor them, you know, try to get their name out there. And so the hope would be that one day, you know, we may have a whole stable of rappers out there that are proclaiming their message through hip-hop. And so that's why it's not called, like, you know, davidshare.com. Although we do have agapedave.com. It takes you to the same place, but... Hip-hop outreach just feels a little more expansive than just focus just on me. You know, when you were talking, Dave, about the trials of faith that you all run into, and like you, you said, you know, if you became a Buddhist, you'd lose your job right away. I actually interviewed someone, Phil Gully. I don't know if you've ever seen Philip Gully or any of his books. He's got some wonderful books that are really widely read, you know, millions of copies out there, including a fictitious series about a place called Harmony, in Indiana. And in one of the stories, he talks about the pastor, the imaginary pastor in the story, who loses his faith and all of a sudden isn't believing in God. And that puts him in a little bit of a bind as far as preaching goes. Well, I had him in for an interview, and it turns out that that was the real-life situation. He had a year when he reflected that, and the Quaker meeting he was part of actually gave him the space to do that. And at the end of the year, he found himself back on good grounds with God. But it's not going to last for a year if you're up if you're up there saying, okay, I can't do any songs about God right now because that wouldn't be with integrity. I can at least sing you Mary Had a Little Lamb. I suppose it wouldn't work. Well, you know, I think... To say that, well, I haven't assented to these creedal certitudes is a misunderstanding of what it means to be in a Christian tradition. I think the Christian tradition actually gives us a lot of room to doubt and struggle. I mean, you look at, look to the highest, you know, look to Jesus. Look at him in the garden. Look at him on the cross. Look at him in the desert. Look at that struggle that he has. You know, that gives us permission. And then read the Psalms. You know, the Psalms are all about struggle. You know, I mean, eventually they turn to hope, but it's hope in the midst of that struggle. So, you know, like Psalm 3 says, you know, rise up, O God, with blessings on your people. But part of it is also some real anger about God, this is not okay. Like we are, you know, especially in the, you know, ancient Jewish tradition, we are a struggling people. We are an occupied people and we're sick of it. And God, are you really who you say you are? Because right now we're not experiencing that. And they say you're good and we trust you, but we also are struggling. And so you always get that theme. You know, Psalm 13 is, you know, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? Answer me, oh God. But then at the very end it says, but I trust in your unfailing love. And so I think there's always that trust amidst the difficulty that God, you are good and I know you're good, but show me your goodness because I don't see it right now. And so this song, Rise Up, which is based on Psalm 3, is, is a part of that. It's saying, you know, rise up, O God, with blessings on your people. It's about that sense of injustice. You know, sa'ak in Hebrew is that, it's that cry for justice. And so this song, I think, embodies that. It's 
actually going to be, hopefully, be the theme of one of the future youth gatherings for 35,000 people in Detroit in a couple of years. It's going to be a theme based on this. I'm hoping it will be the theme song for the gathering, but it's called Rise Up. for David Chair's latest CD, Rise Up. David Chair is also known as Agape. 
and you are listening to Song of the Soul. I'm your host, Mark Helpsmeet, for this Northern Spirit Radio production on the web at northernspiritradio.org, where you can listen to over seven and a half years of our programs. You can download them, post comments on them, find links to our guests. It's all there at northernspiritradio.org, and there's a place to leave donations. Please consider supporting us and supporting your local radio station. They need your help, and they're doing good work to get the word out. Getting the word out today with us is David Chair. He performs under the name Agape, and his website is hiphopoutreach.com. We just heard Rise Up, and if I can say, Dave, that one really rocks. You got some energy there. Do you hold back usually, or was that just a day when you were feeling the energy really up? Yeah, you know, it's a struggle for me, to be honest. I'm an extrovert, and I really feed off of the crowd. And so my producer always jokes around and says, you know, we need to have a poster with thousands of people here in the studio. Otherwise, you're not going to have enough energy. Because <laughs> it, it, it's a lot harder for me to go to that place when I'm just sitting there in a booth staring at a wall. You know, and this is the whole reason I got into music was to connect with other human beings. And when then when you're in the studio... It is sitting there with you and technology. So to really get into that place, it really takes, it's like a, it's a spiritual practice to really know how to go there. And so, yeah, Rise Up was just a song that, you know, when I really feel it, I can kind of transport to that place where I'm really energetic and excited. And it's the same way even with, with live performance sometimes where you just need a little extra pick-me-up. But usually once you get rocking, you know, the spirit starts flowing and then people pick up on that energy and then you start bouncing back and forth. Once you have a crowd there, it makes it a lot easier. I want to go back to a thread that we spoke about earlier. You were at college. You decided not to read your mom the riot act. No, you don't. you don't have to convince her that she's lost to God. And you go back, and you said they weren't happy with your decision there they, and what you had to say about it. I identify you as being connected with the ELCA Lutherans. How did that end up happening? I, one of the things I think is probably very important, and, and we pay too little attention to it, is community. I think there's a great strength and nurture and support that one gets by being part of a spiritual community, whether it's officially religious or not. Was that part of what drove you on after having had your experience with the fundamentalist Christian groups who had done so much to nurture you? Yeah, you know, I don't want to say that I had no connection to faith because in spite of being a hippie, my dad was also a Lutheran pastor. He was not on the roster after a while. They were not in the divorces back then. He's been divorced a couple of times, which they really weren't into. So, But when I would go out to Washington to visit my dad, I would experience the Lutheran liturgy out there at his church. And I found a richness. You know, you kind of get transported back into time into this sort of interesting place. But I really, that just, that kind of calmness, that stillness that I experienced there, and then that rich tradition that I experienced there spoke to me. And I suppose it was because I have six generations of Lutheran pastors. So it's, it's kind of in my bones in some ways. And so I, I, I did find a home there, you know, when I would co- come back in high school and all that. And then having that experience of, you know, kind of seeing more of the charismatic side of things and also seeing the validity in that, I said, man, what if we could take sort of this contemplative, stillness and ritual and tradition from the Lutheran church 
and then also somehow incorporate the zeal and the charism and the urgency and passion of the fundamentalist folks, and is there a way to find common ground between the two? So I suppose when I came kind of back to the church in the Lutheran tradition, I tried to sort of take the best practices of both with me. You know, people talk about being spiritual but not religious, and I think that's wonderful, but the one thing that religion really does, you know, religio means, you know, to bind together, and one of the things that it does is, you know, my wife and I struggled for a few years to have a child, and we had moments of not being able to believe, you know, that song, Unbelief, literally not having the strength to sing those songs. I, I'm like, I can't sing these songs. I don't believe these right now. And I, I'll never forget a friend of mine coming up to me during the service and saying, and, and I told him that, and he said, you don't have to believe. We will believe it for you. You don't have to sing. We will sing it for you. That's why you belong to this community is because we carry each other when, when we can't carry ourselves. And so that is a compelling argument for why we still need religion. We still need these communities of faith. We don't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. And so that's what I've tried to do is take these two things. And, and the beauty of, sorry, just a quick advertisement for what I think is cool about Lutheranism is Martin Luther was really about paradox. So he was, he was willing to say, you know, let's take the gray is really where where life happens. It's not black, it's not white. So it's not it's not charismatic, it's not contemplative, but it, but somewhere in the middle is where the truth lies. And I wish we had a lot more time so I could hear all the rest of them, but uh, we're going to run out of time pretty soon. I think you still got some more music to share. What's up next? We got a song called Rejoice, which is just a fun song. I, I, I had a lot of kind of dark and moody songs, so I knew that I needed somebody to really hear the spirit of joy that I feel like is in a lot of my music. So this is just a fun dance song, Rejoice. So get your dancing shoes on, start break dancing before the Lord like David, and have fun with it.
flexing the chest with less with one breath. Rejoice, rejoice, and you can mess say rejoice. Every time that we find humankind on the grind, open up their mind and let your love shine. In all circumstances, give them the we break. tell you to sing this. Y'all are gonna sing this with us. Here we go. is sharing good news with us here today. He performs as Agape, and that was his song, Rejoice, from a CD, Sprinkle Sunshine. You'll find them all on hiphopoutreach.com. Or if you go looking for Agape and David Cher, you can always follow the link, of course, from northernspiritradio.org. Rejoice. It's good news. It's it's nice to know that you have your uptimes, too. I mean, I, I would hate to think, Dave, that all of this ministry was draining of you of your vital juices. Uh, it, it doesn't really work that way, doesn't it? You get up there on stage, and it's good. But as you said in the song, Unbelief, you know, sit after the performance when you go home to your hotel room or whatever. That can be a real letdown, especially for an extrovert like you. It's really hard, man. I mean, you think about going up to the mountain, you know, and Peter being like, hey, man, we're going to camp out here on this mountain. We're going to build an encampment. We're going to stay here forever. Just you, me, Elijah, everybody, you know, the mountaintop. And Jesus is like, nope, it's time to go back to the valley. And he's like, oh. 
And that's really how it feels. I mean, I have another song called Real World that kind of talks about that as well, but that journey from the youth gathering when all the lights are on, everybody's excited, yay, everybody's just feeling the joy of God, and now we're done. And now what do we do? We go back home, and we we deal with, you know, our parents don't stop being divorced. Our jobs don't stop being crummy at times and having toxic coworkers and we don't stop having difficulties at school, you know, just because we went to this youth gathering, but we've experienced something on this mountain that we want to hang on to, and we want to have joy amidst the struggle, not replacing the struggle, because the struggle is there. In this world, you will have struggle, <laughs> says the Lord, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. So just being able to speak to a joy that can be there in the midst of the struggle is an important thing. The minute that your joy is circumstantial, you're going to lose that joy during the difficult times. Joy doesn't mean yay, yay all the time. It just means an orientation of gratitude. So in the middle of my worst times, God still places this little teeny bit of gratitude that I can cling to that says, you know what, is my heart still beating? Am I still walking? Do I still have a roof over my head? And if I have those things, I still have a reason to praise. So that's part of what rejoicing amidst the struggle is about. One of the things that's been sitting in the back of my mind while I've been talking to you, I'm having great fun with your music. I Normally, I'm a folk music type of guy, right? I'm probably closer to your parents' age than to yours. But I love music across the spectrum, and I'm really enjoying yours. I'm wondering how many curmudgeons there are on the pews in Lutheran churches who hear the idea of having hip-hop in their church and are aghast. You know, a Lutheran hymn versus hip-hop music. Wow. I've definitely had people walk out of the service in the first 30 seconds. But you know, it's funny, what I tell people, I wish they could see what I see because I am witness to all the time. Every time I go to churches, I think to myself, you know what, when I'm 80 years old and some guy comes in with this new kind of music that I can't stand and he's trying to minister, I don't know that I'm going to be very open to it. So the fact that an overwhelming majority of the older folks are open to it, it's a witness to me. The fact that they're willing to open their hearts enough to be moved by music that isn't theirs at all, it really witnesses to the spirit working in their life. And part of it, I think, is they're just looking for anything. They say, you know, we want to pass this faith on to our children. We don't see them connecting with it in any way. This doesn't seem to speak to them at all. And we're just, we're kind of throwing our hands in the air. We don't know what to do. So they're like, hey, if you can proclaim the message of God's love through a way that they'll connect, then we're on board with it. And so that's really been the overwhelming reaction from folks. You know, there, there's been some naysayers and people say that the drums are the heartbeat of Satan and all this stuff and you can't, you, you know. But for every, every one of them, there's so many more people who just are grateful that young people are passionate about faith. I'm glad they've got you there to witness to them and to show them a way forward. We've got time for one more song, Dave. What should we end your Song of the Soul with? Well, I took a trip to Bosnia. I, I've been there a few times trying to do reconciliation work with Bosnian, Serbian, and Croatian youth, trying to get them to connect and find common ground. When I went, I met a woman named uh, Hatija, and Hatija in one day lost her husband, son, her brother, and her father in one day in this massacre. Every man in the town was, and boy was, was killed. And it just had a profound impact on me because she said that... Um, 
she was going to try to work to bring justice to her country. And she was actually going to work with other widows, not just Bosnian widows, but Serbian widows, the same people that had killed her whole family. She decided that she was going to try to help them as well. And I said, why are you going to do that? She said, they're my neighbors and they need me. And so she took me over to the grave site where her whole family had been buried. And the words that were read on there were, was a prayer. And it said, let our grievance turn to hope. Let our vengeance turn to justice. And let our tears turn to prayers that this never happens to anyone ever again. So that's what she committed her life to. And so I wrote this song in honor of her. It's called Tears. And I hope it can bring hope to people and let them know that, that our tears can be a prayer to God. We're going to end this broadcast with the song Tears, but that is not the true end of this interview with David Scherer, a.k.a. Agape, because there are bonus excerpts of both music and interview that we just couldn't squeeze into this hour. So go to Northern Spirit Radio, select the Song of the Soul program with Agape, and listen to the bonus excerpts, including two great songs, New Law by Derek Webb and All Are Welcome by David Scherer. Dave, your witness is just so vastly appreciated, I'm sure by the folks, both young and old, of the ELCA and other churches, but also by the folks who felt that their faith was dead and you helped show new life in it. Listeners, you'll find David Agape on the web at hiphopoutreach.com or just follow the link from org. You're doing great work, Dave. Keep the faith and keep sharing it widely. Thanks for joining me for Song of the Soul. Thanks, Mark. From the Paradoxology CD by Agape, it's Tears. This goes out to the widows from Srebrenica, those who lost loved ones. Close your eyes, feel the wind, hear a voice deep within. It's a woman that lost her whole family. Doesn't speak my language, but she still can understand me. She told a story about how she lost him. Buried in a mass grave, couldn't get a coffin. Lost a son and a father on that very same day. Brother and a husband on that very same day. She heard the news pop, into her knees dropped. Thought she felt the earth stop on that very same day. Still so vivid, she won't forget it. But she chose to live and forgive those that did it. I told her I was sorry for what had occurred. We looked at the gravestone and she read me these words and they said, Let our grievance turn to hope and our darkness turn to light. Let our hatred turn to love and our dying turn to life. When we feel despair, know that someone's there. Our tears will be our prayer. Close your eyes. Feel the wind, hear a voice deep within. A girl four years old lies on the floor, tries to ignore the cries in the soldier's coldest eyes. She thought about how he looked while he took the life of her whole family, left her so shook. She thought about what she might say if she saw him someday, so she waited, contemplated, and she prayed. She had to look into those eyes. Twenty years later, she can remember those eyes. Now she's flashing back, never imagined that She'd be looking again at those eyes He froze, she froze, they froze Her eyes stayed closed, wonder what she chose She held out her hand and she put it on his head He fell to the floor crying, this is what he said Nothing, 
It was just straight silence, tears of baptism that washed away the violence. An invitation for transformation, and when the grace comes, emancipation. She still has to see those eyes, but they're no longer evil eyes. They tell a different story. Now she can see both sides, and when she hears the people's cries, she gets to bring God glory. Let our grievance turn to hope, and our darkness turn to light. Let my sadness start to sow seeds of strength. Let my tears be a prayer to whom I give thanks. Let the dark night be illuminated quickly. Source of the light, walk with me. Hatred changed to grace in major ways. Gotta think long term, doesn't come in eight days. I pray with my tears and I plead with my sweat. We won't forget the light, even in the sunset. Cause whenever there's death, there's always the breath of life. Tears, water, plants help them reach new heights. Teach you to fight. For justice, when every piece of you would like some vengeance, but you can end this ill cycle that's there. Let my songs be my cry, let my tears be my prayer. Let our grievance turn to hope, and our darkness turn to light. Let our hatred turn to love, and our dying turn to life. When we feel despair, know that someone's Theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy Let in the light It will heal you And you can feel you And sing out a song